Welcome to The Journey with Senior Pastor Marty Grebs of Crossings Community Church, a podcast where he explores God's extraordinary work in everyday people. Well, I'm sitting here with Matt Cartwright. Matt, you have been on this staff for how long? Coming up on 15 years. 15 yep. years. Yep. Wow. That's a long time. It is. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you survived it. That's a price. Yeah. You did. Is that why you lost your hair? You yeah. You on the church staff yeah. for 15 years. <laughs> anyway, so how did you, uh, I'm trying to remember how you even came to the church. Were you yeah. in the church before the job opportunity opened up or was it the job opportunity that put you in the church? Uh, particularly at Crossings? Yeah. Yeah, Crossings. So, yeah, we, we went to the... Uh, the Get to Know Us class, I think it was January of 2008. Wow. Uh, and I overheard a conversation with another pastor that there might be potentially a job opening for a graphic designer on staff at Crossings. And I was in a terrible spot. The place I was working, it was, it was toxic. It was miserable. I was, I was not in a good spot. And my wife nudged me and said, hey, you should check into it. Well, four months later, it got bad enough that I, I wanted to reach out, and I never had a dream or even an inkling that I'd work at a church, let alone as a graphic designer, and interviewed and put on my application. I uh, was fortunate enough to get the job as the graphic designer at Crossings in our communications department. So that was uh, not something I was looking for. I thought, honestly, I thought, oh, it'll be a short gig, uh, and I'll probably have to work at Lowe's because they can't be too busy. <laughs> and uh, wow. Little did I know there's you know, so many cool things happening at Crossings that I got to be a part of because I was in a communications department yeah. that was supporting a lot of really neat ministry opportunities. Yeah. So uh, you started off at the, in the graphics side, yes. right? Yep. And so you've had several different uh, roles, I think, mm -hmm. and, and that brought you now to where you're now the head of the entire department. Mm -hmm. So what were some of those roles along the way? I, I started as graphic designer um, which we were a small team then, so I got to, to be part of a lot of different decisions and, and uh, conversations. And that kind of opened me up to different opportunities to interact with ministries. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I got to be mentored by some great pastors and some great leaders, and, and that really uh, prompted me uh, to look at ordination. <laughs> and I wouldn't necessarily say it was a calling, but more of a shoving that I felt like uh, <laughs> yeah, this right. might be something that's next. And I kind of sat on that and I prayed about that for about four years and uh, reached out to, to some leaders here on our, on our leadership team, Jeff Stewart, and just to get some, you know, some mentoring. Is this my next step? And uh, prayed about it and thought about it, went through the ordination process, and now uh, now that I've been ordained and I'm a pastor on staff, uh, I'm, I'm director of communications. And I get to do a lot of fun stuff like uh, design and create images for your sermon series. Yeah. So we get to, to have some visuals to go alongside. You make them look so interesting. <laughs> well, I gotta, Whether they are or not, <laughs> you make them look so interesting. Well, I just love that idea of, that's such an ancient art of, of artists coming alongside the message of Christ yeah. and, and having an illustration to represent uh, this message that we're proclaiming to the world. So it's just a really neat job. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just something unique that I never thought I'd be doing. So, yeah. Well, you do a great job at it. So um, I guess, well, you said earlier that you thought you might uh, have to get a job at Home Depot and mm -hmm. all that to, to be a part of all this. So now here you are. I'm sure there are days... Now, 15 years later, you'd probably prefer to work at home. <laughs> no, 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 I don't. I'm just kidding. I mean, it's, 
There's there's a lot going on, which yeah. makes it exciting. It's not mundane, uh, and you get to be part of so many amazing things. Yeah, and really I think cool. a lot of people, well, I know, I think in many ways have really no concept of what all does go on, yep. what all goes into it. Yep. Um, you know, that it's just, we just work Sunday for a couple hours, you know, <laughs> and that kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and so what was uh, your big surprise maybe when you started or along the journey would have been some of the surprises that you would have said, I, did, I didn't know that would be needed in a church. Oh, wow. Um, you know, this, this, this idea of equipping and, and partnering with clinics and community centers, uh, I think my upbringing, uh, I grew up in the country. Uh, it was, we went to church on Sunday and uh, had a great foundation of faith in my family. But this idea of doing ministry Monday through Friday and meeting needs that people actually have in a way that's impactful, like a community center and an after-school program and a clinic, a free clinic. And it's those types of things that I saw Crossings doing that really drew my wife and I to want to be part of this community. Um, regardless of the fact that the, the congregation size is about four times the size of the, the hometown that I grew up in. So that was a, a culture shock right off the bat was yeah. just stepping into a congregation um, that large, but it felt so small as soon as we got plugged in, got into Bible studies, got into small groups, that community of people got really small really quick. Yeah. So talk about Courtney and, yeah. and uh, you all met, married, and now have children and yes. all kinds of exciting things going on in your life. So tell us a bit about your family. Yeah. So I met my wife, Courtney, at, uh, at OSU. Um, she's a year younger than me. We met at the campus gym. Uh, I worked there uh, pretty much every day of the week. Any day that I could go work at the gym, I'd rather do that than go to class. So that was kind of my, um, I just hung out there. I worked I've there. never met anyone in the gym. <laughs> I just, because I never go to one. Well, they pay me to be there. So oh. I, would, I would go and work. And, and that's how I, how I met her. Uh, and I really thought the world of her. I just, I was like, that girl, I need to get to know. And of course, she was dating somebody. And I said, well, that's not going to stop me. And so I tried to pursue her. And she tried to set me up with her friends, and that didn't work out, um, which is usually the kiss of death, that if, you know, they're going to, you know, she's going to set you up with your friend, that uh, she's not interested. And about a year later, um, we would frequent establishments in Stillwater, <laughs> um, and I saw her out one night and uh, went up to her, and uh, we started chatting and, and hung out that night and uh, started dating, and then one thing led to another, and we got engaged. We moved in together, um, and we lived in Stillwater for a few years, and then we moved to Edmond. So we kind of did things backwards. We yeah. moved in together before we were married. We bought a car before we were married. Like, we did everything backwards. But the really cool thing about that, I think, about our relationship is it's a beautiful picture of redemption. Like, even though it started in a world of sin and even the lifestyle that we were leading— uh, is completely redeemed when we both turned and focused our marriage towards Christ. And I think uh, that's a really neat picture of, of how, you know, our marriage is built around our faith now, which is not the way it started. Right. Well, and you know, one thing I, just hearing you tell that story uh, that I'm thrilled about is you're, you're able to tell that story in a church that um, understands we all have moments in our life where we uh, go the back way around the barn kind of thing, you know, and yep. take, take a different path. But uh, the good news is you, you somewhere in there, you were, um, your heart became softened to 
following Jesus mm-hmm. and the conviction then to make some changes. So where, where did that happen in the, in the early process? Well, once we got engaged, uh, Courtney said we were going to go to church. And so um, my philosophy was, that's great. I'll show you how to do it. You go once a month. That's all you got to do. You don't have to talk to anybody. You just go for a little bit. And if you know, you feel like you're going, you want to go, you should go. Uh, and that wasn't enough for her. So we went to uh, a church in Stillwater. Uh, she wanted to get plugged in and meet people. And uh, she really didn't, she really didn't grow up going to church. Okay. So it was all very new to her. And so she wanted to find out what this church thing was about. What am I supposed to be doing was kind of her approach. And so she drug me along um, when we were in Stillwater. And then when we moved to Edmond, uh, we tried out a few different churches around the city. And we landed at Crossings because my oldest sister goes here. Uh, and, and, she, and, and my wife wanted to get right into a Sunday school, uh, into a small group, and just meet people. And so we did that, and it was an incredible experience. And it really transformed both of our faith. I mean, it just... I, the, the visual that I have is I was on a trajectory going down. I mean, I was spiraling out of control when I met her. And she was on a trajectory kind of going up. <laughs> and the way that we met, she just transformed our relationship and brought us both in a direction that was more healthy. Yeah. Well, you two are a great couple. It's been, it's been fun to have you in the church, to get to know you, to have you on staff. You may not see this guy on a stage, but very much are a part, he and Courtney are very much a part of the fabric of what makes us a great church. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to sometimes assume that the only ones that are part of the, the vital pieces of the puzzle and the fabric would be those you can see. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we all have a role, I, I think it's important for the church to understand there are some folks who do some amazing things in ministry that you may never see. Mm-hmm. And uh, this may give them a chance to do that, to get to know oh, you and to get to see you. But yeah. So now you have children, yes. uh, and they're not just little kids anymore. No, uh, my, my son just turned six, and my daughter's eight. Um, and they were both uh, miracles. Uh, my wife, Courtney, had uh, cancer twice within two years, and uh, she was in her late 20s at the time. And that really threw a wrench in the whole family planning uh, stage of our life. And... Uh, miscarriage after miscarriage, and the doctor said, this is probably not going to happen. You're not going to start a family in, um, in the traditional way. So we opened up our hearts to adoption. Courtney had always been open to adoption, and uh, we investigated that process, and then a month later, she was pregnant with our first. And doctors at the time didn't understand how that was necessarily possible, uh, considering some of the treatments she went through and just some of the damages that was done through uh, the radiation and the treatment, uh, it was, it was an highly unlikely that she would ever get pregnant, yeah. let alone two years later to have a second, uh, which was a surprise. So, uh, yeah, we have two healthy kiddos and uh, just trying to be adequate enough to lead them in a way that's God-honoring and having God in Christ that's the center of the house. Yeah. And uh, they love coming to crossings. They love interacting with uh, other kids in their ministry yeah. um, and, and now in the kids' choir. So, yeah. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch your family. So if you could live anywhere, where would it be? Um, if I could live anywhere, it would be, oh, geez, somewhere where there's uh, water, mountains, and trees. Wow, all three <laughs> of those together. 
I'm sure it exists somewhere. Somewhere. It may be uh, Hawaii. I've seen mountains, trees, yes. and water there. Maybe. Yeah, those are my requirements. Uh, we, we've had the mountains or beach conversation, and my wife is very much, she wants to get on the beach. Yeah. Uh, there's too much sand. It gets everywhere, and it's annoying. I'd rather, I'd rather be in isolation in a mountain somewhere. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What about a favorite hobby? Uh, fishing. Oh. Fishing, yeah. Um, just my, my dad, that was something that we bonded over. Uh, growing up in the country, everybody had a farm pond, you know, so we'd go out and, and hop around different ponds. And it's just a neat experience to go out there and, and bond with uh, your dad or anybody. So I'm trying to get my son and daughter into it. My son's all about it. Uh, and it's just a neat experience to get out on the water. So yeah. Catch and release or catch and cook? Um, my dad is catch and cook. He, he's, if he's going to put in the time, he's going to... He wants to get something out of it. I don't mind catch and release. I'm all about just give me the big, I want to catch a monster at least <laughs> one a year, and that's good for me. He wants to catch hundreds. So we have different philosophies. But yeah. So when you, if Courtney wants to go to the beach, is there any deep sea fishing in that equation? I don't want to get on that boat. <laughs> that's where I don't like, I don't like the open water. It makes I, you sick or something? Make, yeah, it makes me sick. I don't, wow. yeah. I've, so I've never done any deep sea stuff. But that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, O U O S U. Oh, absolutely, o Oklahoma State. That's the right answer. Yeah, Oklahoma State. Yeah. It's it's where my dad went to school. It's where my mom went to school. My oldest sister, me and my wife, uh, we are already ingraining it in our kids. Uh, this is the color that you wear. So <laughs> again, trying to raise them right. That's that's the whole goal. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's a good idea, though. I mean, I think yeah. that's where people find God is up in Stillwater. Absolutely, so. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot to you. Um, I mean, a whole lot more probably than I'm even aware of, but I know there's a lot to you. There's a lot of, of great thought in you and convictions. And um, so you've really cultivated a strong faith. And I guess I would, I think it'd be good for maybe uh, some of our young couples or young dads to... Yeah hear why that was important, how it became important, and what it involved yeah. to come to this place where you're truly uh, maturing your faith. Yeah. Um, my, my parents are incredible. Uh, they laid a, a good foundation. You know, if you think of the three aspects of our faith, head, heart, and hands, um, they laid a great foundation of what it means to serve others and to do it in a loving way. And so the, the hands part of, of my faith was, has always been there, to do. Here's what you, you've got to go do something and do it for the Lord and serve others and, and uh, love one another. My, my dad was a great example of service. Uh, and growing up, uh, I was confirmed in a Methodist church uh, at Bethel at 13. And... Don't really, I don't think it took, nothing took up here. I didn't, I didn't grasp what it was. Um, I don't even think it took in my heart, but I understood that I'm supposed to go do something. Mm -hmm. And so I started to develop this identity of, the, of what I call the good guy gospel. And that's just let other people judge me and confirm me by my actions. And early on until about mid-20s, I never once considered what does God think about me? Mm -hmm. I never once thought, does he confirm me? You know, I, I wanted the confirmation of the people around me to think that I was a good person. And then that was enough for me. 
And so I lived that way for, uh, you know, late teens, early 20s, even after college. And that's when I met Courtney. I just wanted to live this ideal self and just portray this ideal self to everyone. Hmm. But what I didn't realize until looking back now is that ideal self was covering the real self that God already knew about. He already knew me. <laughs> he already knew I was a sinner in need of a savior. I, I didn't. I thought I was a great guy. And so when that ideal self and real self got in conflict with each other, I started to pour in just binge drinking and addictions and partying and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So that was years and maybe a decade of just that conflict going mm-hmm. on. And then uh, getting married was a huge transformation in knowing that, okay, I've got to figure out, is this thing real or not? Is this Bible real? Is this church thing real? What is this? And I just had a few aha moments, God moments, that if this Bible is true, then I better read it. (laughs) If this Bible is true, I wonder what it says about God and what it says about me. And how do I know it's true? And so that was really the the hinge for Courtney and I Hmm. is devoting time together to uh, either read the Bible independently, but eventually come together and say, hey, what did you learn today? And even before kids, it was a lot easier that we would yeah. make dinner together or, or you know, go grocery shopping. We would just have moments to say, hey, what did you learn today? And so she had a few nuggets of, of wisdom that she had learned in a Bible study. Then I had a few, I hope. And, and that was the way that we bonded early on in our marriage and made it the foundation that we're going to talk about spiritual things together. And we're going to pray openly together and for each other. And then we prayed for our kids before we even knew that we mm-hmm. couldn't have any. Uh, we were praying. And so I think that's the foundation. I think that, that young dads and, uh, you know, uh, new husbands mm-hmm. need to lay maybe in the home is that this is, this is what's going to be the central focus in our marriage. And that's going to be discussions about God, discussions about Christ and what he's doing in our life. So, yeah. You know, I know that... Um, you and Courtney have faced some adversity at times. You've had mm-hmm. some tough situations. I know Courtney certainly has. Um, and, and as you've already said, there's just been some moments that were difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would assume maybe, well, I, I, I think I know one or two things for sure, just having been aware of those situations at times, that one, your faith was clearly the, mm-hmm. the stability in the moment. Mm-hmm. And two, your capacity to give grace and yes. to love yeah. when it was very difficult to do so. Yeah. And so that I I I know that tends to shape all of us in some way. Um, I learned a lot about what it meant to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, when my parents divorced, because then I was a, then all of a sudden you get a really big dose of pain, mm-hmm. and you got to reconcile that. Okay, what's this mean? What do yeah. I do with this? Anger isn't going to work, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've seen you all in a couple of situations going through that. And so I don't know if you could reflect back and say, here's what we learned, or to say to someone who is in the middle of a trial um, how to navigate it. Yeah. So um, the cancer early on in our marriage was, that shook us. I mean, that's not what any, anybody's expecting, mm-hmm. let alone that age. a few years into your marriage and, and you know, mid-20s. I remember that. That was, an, that was an incredible moment for us. I think just our personal faith just exploded in those moments because we had never felt what it meant to be part of the body of Christ in a moment like that. 
we thought we were helpless and alone. We had no idea the community that we were already a part of and then that we we're going to continue to be part of even after that. So people surrounded us um, in those moments where we, we would fly down the MD Anderson or, uh, you, you know, you'd have to stay for weeks at a time at MD Anderson. You know, there's young kids in their mid-20s trying to stay down there and, and survive and, like, go to these appointments and stay in a hotel, and people just took care of us. And it was just incredible blessing after blessing. And then we get the all clear after the second surgery, and there's, there's treatments, there's uh, uh, radioactive iodine treatments, you know, that we don't want to take because we want to start a family. And the more radioact- you know, radioactive iodine that you take, then you can't uh, try to start a family. And we had prayed uh, intensely, no more treatments. It's taken a toll on her body. There's no, we, Lord, we do not want any more treatments. And we had prayer groups up here praying with us mm-hmm. and uh, Lord answered the prayer that she had no, needed no more treatments. We went down there for her final appointment, and they basically turned us away and said, you're free to go, you're clear. And not, that was not the plan at all. You know, we needed several more treatments after that, and she was all clear, cancer-free. A month later, her dad was killed in a tragic work accident. He was on an oil rig, and uh, it crushed him. And, and so we're on this high. We're on this spiritual high. Yeah. And then you get that call. And I'm the one that has to tell her the news. Oh. You know, I get the phone call uh, right in my office. Um, I was in the church building at the time. Mm-hmm. And I get the phone call, and I have to track her down, and I have to tell her. And right as I'm telling her what's going on, one of our dear friends, his name's Blaine, he shouldn't have been in the building, first of all. Second of all, I don't, even, I don't even think he knew where my office was. But just the right person popped in at just the right time wow. and ministered to us right there. So, um, so God showed oh, up right yeah. away. Yeah. Through his people. Yeah. yeah. And so I think those are two examples um, of, of what it's like to go through trials. Yeah. Can you imagine what it would be like to go through trials without the church family? You would have been right. totally alone. Right. And we've had that conversation. And Courtney and I have talked about, it. what would you do if you yeah. didn't have this group of people surrounding you and loving you and praying for you? Yeah. And uh, it was an incredible experience. And then um, a few short years after that, uh, my brother-in-law uh, ended his own life. And that was a shock to the family. Um, he, he had dealt with some... Uh, addictions, some drug addictions in the past, and and to to watch my wife navigate those two scenarios, but in particular that one losing her brother, um, it's the picture of grace. Everything that she did was because she understood the grace that was given to her, mm-hmm. and so she's going to give it to people who don't deserve it. And it's just an incredible picture. But to your point, if you've never experienced that kind of grace. How do you navigate that? And, and I don't think you can. And she survived it. She, she uh, is loving on people in that same lifestyle and condition because of her brother. And she wants to lead Bible studies at Hope is Alive or some other addiction and recovery organizations. And, and we want to support them because we see yeah. where that life leads. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I, she's the picture of grace in those moments that because she understands the grace that was given to her, she can give it to others. You know, there's all kinds of talk these days in various doctrinal circles or church circles. And, um, and I know there's plenty of things uh, in the scriptures that we can be very certain about. They're clear, very clear, and you know exactly what, what they're saying and what they mean. And, you know, it may be a long wait or something or various seasons of life where you come to understand what those principles may be that you are very clear about. And there's a lot of things, of course, we're not that clear about. There's mysteries. There's things we'll never know because I don't, I don't think God has created to know every detail. He knows them, mm-hmm. and we have to trust him for those. But I, I've also uh, learned in all these years of ministry that the people that have to face the reality of pain and the reality of when you kind of get your legs knocked out from under you seem to emerge from those scenarios far more gracious. Yep. You're far more inclined to forgive when you've tasted it. Yep. And, um, and I think that was the case with uh, both of you in, in many of those situations. You've, you've, you knew what life was like when you didn't know what grace was. Mm-hmm. When you found out what it was and then you get a dose of it, it there's nothing like it to be freed, you know, yeah. in that, from, from all those things of, that we regret. Mm. And, uh, and then I think that's what prepares people then to serve in incredible ways. Because, you know, we use that phrase, one beggar helping another beggar find bread. Yeah. Well, once you've had it, you've got, you want everybody to have yeah. it, you know. So uh, I've seen that in, in the two of you all these years. What would you say is your favorite Bible character? <laughs> favorite Bible character? Um... My son asked me this a few weeks ago. He said, what's your favorite Bible story? I guess I would, right now, yeah. it's, right now it's Naaman, wow. uh, the story of Naaman. And uh, I've shared that story with my kids uh, several times, but I think right now, just that picture. So Naaman had a skin condition and just that illustration of a skin condition is our sin condition before God and what God did through that and what it took for Naaman to be clean with humility and that's something I've always struggled with is humbly releasing all control to God and answering his call. That's something that I, I struggle with. So I think Naaman right now is probably... It's great. Yep. And then another question that I was given on this list is coffee or tea, you know? That's, I mean, that's a, another no-brainer. It's coffee. I don't... Yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, I, I do both. I like both of them. Yeah. So if there's one thing you could tell your younger self, um, what would that be? One thing, I, um, invest early. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, I had a great, like I said, a great foundation of, of the, my family life. My parents are still together. Um, it's just a great family and a great upbringing. And I think, my younger self didn't realize that we have really good reasons to believe what we believe. Mm. And so I would shy away from uh, conversations about God. It didn't have to be intense conversations about God. It was just questions about God mm-hmm. that I would have that I would keep to myself because I didn't think you're supposed to verbalize those and ask those out loud. I think later on in life, I realized God's not afraid of our questions. Right. Um, the Bible has a lot of answers if I just read it. <laughs> and, yeah. and later on, I, I realized that there's really good reasons um, to believe what we believe. 
uh, one one passage or one one verse that really transformed my faith was First Peter three. I think it's verse fifteen. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. That's great. I didn't know what the hope was that I had, but the second half of that yeah. is do it with gentleness and respect. My the, my dad and mom laid the foundation of gentleness and respect, but I did not know the hope that I had. I I believed because I grew up in Oklahoma, because I'm a certain skin color, because my dad told me to. Like, I did not have a foundation of knowledge or even a heart transformation to know what it was that I believed. So I think I I would challenge um, my younger self to actually answer the question, why are you a Christian? And Mm -hmm. do do you know what you believe and why? And see what he says. I think that's the that's that would be the challenge. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, any parting thoughts? Anything else you would say to those who are watching? That be sure to think about this. Or well, if you get nothing else from this, what would your hope be? In other words, I I think, and, and this is I'm kind of preaching to myself now. Is that time in the Word, time with time in the Bible, personal time in the Bible? was so transformative for me and my wife's faith that if, if that is not reliable and authoritative in my life, then I don't know what else is. Yeah. And just having that, that personal time with God, it doesn't have to be um, this huge glamorous thing. I think one of, one of my mentors, uh, well, Andy always says, sometimes you just need PB&J. Just open up the Bible and read. And that just that really resonated with me because I thought it had to be a certain thing. I thought I had to do a certain thing. I want to do. I'm a doer. Let me, let me just do this the right way when really I just need to sit and be still. And so I think if I can learn to be still and sit in his word and soak it up, sometimes it's PB&J, sometimes it's a filet. You yeah. just never know what you're going to get. But uh, just to do that on a consistent basis, I think that would be my last thought. <laughs> well, uh, you and your family are very much a treasure here, and I can't tell you how much it means to me that we get to work together, and you you get to put lipstick on this pig. You, know? <laughs> you, you get to you get to make everything look so good. You know the sermon series or well, and all that, just just incredible stuff. And you have to wait for me on Fridays to get the slides done. You know we get them done though. There's, I know we you got do. plenty of time. I know but you're always gracious about that, but I just really appreciate you and Courtney and well, thank you. that God of all the places He could have sent you, He sent you here. Yes. So that's that's Amen. a pretty special thing. It is. Thank you. 